Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Raghu Athre with another episode of our podcast, Plastic Surgery Unplugged. So we have kind of a momentous occasion today. We actually have a live guest for once and not um, a Zoom guest. So this is totally cool for us. And um, so we are going to kind of discuss here with Dr. Blackwell um, a couple of things about rejuvenation, um, hormone replacement. We'll see where all we go to. So the reason I brought Dr. Blackwell onto the show, there's a couple of different reasons that I brought her onto the show. So first of all, I know that many of our viewers that are watching our podcast or hearing our podcast are interested in plastic surgery and rejuvenation. This is the vast majority of my patients. They want to look better. They want to feel better. These are the big things, the big categories of patients who come to see me. Okay. So along with that, one of the main things that a lot of patients are now undergoing from a doctor's standpoint, when I see these patients and ask them what medications they're taking, a vast majority of them are on hormone replacement therapy. And there's a lot of science now about the rejuvenation spectrum, the anti-aging spectrum. So that's one aspect of how we manage these patients on a long-term perspective. So that's one reason I brought <clears throat> Dr. Blackwell on. But there's another reason. I have a personal reason. So um, many of you who have watched my podcast or know me personally know that I am a chronic back pain sufferer. So I manage my chronic back pain not through surgery but through other means. And recently, probably about eight, nine months ago, um, my, my back pain got to a point where I needed to go back to my doctor and kind of say, hey, listen, it's getting to a point that I think we need to up the game a little bit. And so he drew a whole bunch of lab tests and said my testosterone level was super low. And so he recommended that I go on testosterone replacement therapy in order to change my body from a catabolic state to an anabolic state, which will help me with the healing, regeneration of tissues and all of these types of various things. So I ended up becoming a patient of Dr. Blackwell's. So therefore, based on, based on all this stuff, I decided to have her on the show because I think, me included, um, a lot of people have a lot of questions about sure. this whole thing, how it works. Is it voodoo? Is it, you know, is it fake science? Is it snake oil? There's a lot of stuff. There's skepticism. So I'm going to let you kind of introduce yourself, how you got into this, and what your philosophies are, so on and so forth. Hi. Um, my name is Michelle Blackwell. I'm a traditionally trained OB-GYN physician. I uh, stopped delivering babies 10, almost 11 years ago. Uh, lifestyle reasons, <laughs> yeah. Family was very happy at that point because it was just eating me alive, actually, and talking about hormones. My hormones at that age, in my early 40s, were extremely out of whack. Cortisol out the roof. All my sex steroids were really, really bad. Um, and I felt like crap, even though I wasn't working as much once I retired from the OB. So I then had just a gynecological surgical practice and, um, you know, bread and butter, pop smears, birth control, heavy periods, all that. I focused at that time on minimally invasive surgery, which I still do, but I felt a lack of fulfillment in my job and because I like to help people. I like to change people's lives, whatever I do. I want to make it better. 
So I kind of started getting into this um, functional medicine type medicine through a chiropractor friend that I knew. And I thought, well, I had all these patients on these bioidentical hormone creams and I didn't know anything about them. I'm like, well, if your doctor gives them to you, fine, let them manage them. And then I thought, well, these women are saying, oh, they feel amazing and no hot flashes, no night sweats, my libido's better, I look better. Um, but at the time, in the anti-aging anti-aging medicine community, um, the creams were it. So I decided I wanted to learn about what is all this hormone replacement about. So I uh, pursued a board certification from the Anti-Aging Academy of Regenerative Medicine. So Say that five times faster. I know. I was like, I have to think of the acronyms. Anti-Aging Academy of Regenerative Medicine. Medicine. So I actually learned a, a lot of very interesting things because it's not just hormone courses. It's, you know, nutraceuticals to manage uh, blood pressure and lots of different endocrine issues that we go through, cardiac stuff, immune stuff, cancer stuff. So I learned a lot of things that I don't really use on a daily basis, but it's in the back of my mind. So when I'm talking to patients, I'm like, well, maybe you should get this looked at. Maybe you should Take, right. Try this and that and the other. Um, because traditional medicine doctors, which I'm kind of like a dichotomy personality, um, they know you need to take this drug. We're not trying to prevent something. We're treating your illnesses when they come. So anyway, so I got that certification, started attracting more patients because they were feeling good. I had a referral base from a retired doctor in Houston. And then the creams <coughs> were very technically difficult because... Patient compliance and monitoring, testing is not straightforward, and nobody did it the same way. Some people drew blood, some people drew saliva. It's just kind of all over the place. Then the trend in anti-aging medicine started shifting towards pellet therapy, um, which is primarily what I do now, although I still prescribe conventional hormones for women who aren't interested in that track. Um, and I also... It's not just menopause, it's perimenopause, which is actually the, the, the toughest phase in a woman's life to control because you're deficient, you're too much, your hormones are just like a roller coaster. But that time period can last five, six, seven, eight years for some women. Um, so my patients range you know, from 35 to I think 78 is my oldest patient right now, maybe 79. Um, and in pursuing this avenue, my job is extremely rewarding because it is life-changing. So that's kind of how I got into this whole hormone replacement therapy thing. So staying up, up, up on the literature because so many doctors don't prescribe hormones anymore because they're scared and they're, they're stuck on a 20-year-old study that has been disproven over and over and over again. So many women have lost out on opportunities to reduce their heart disease, reduce their dementia risk, um, slow the aging of your skin, your joints, you know, inflammation, tendon repair, weight maintenance, mental health. <laughs> mental health is a big part of hormone replacement therapy. So while you were talking, I, I made several notes. Sure. So I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. Sure. And um, <clears throat> so first of all, you started off with, you said that, 
in your 40s, you decided to stop delivering babies. Mm-hmm. You mean you're not 40? <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Thank you. That was that was my <laughs> joke for the day. Okay. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, you so, know, actually, I get that quite a bit. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, this is part of it, right? I mean, yeah. look good, feel good, think right. good. This is why people are here. And it's to keep your body. Yeah. Absolutely. Aging, aging slower. We're all aging, but we want to kind of slow that process down. Okay. So let's break this down into two large categories. Okay. okay? Um, so you talked a lot about perimenopause, menopause. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about women first, okay? okay? And, then, and then we'll talk about guys. So I think that okay. makes a natural kind of a break point right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. So um, when I went to med school, mm-hmm. okay, I, we everyone has to take a certain amount of OB-GYN. Mm-hmm. It's 60, part, yep. yeah, we yep. got to do it. And there's part of physiology is gynecology and the hormone cycle. And right. I, I still remember that. There was that. the menopause clinic that we went to. <laughs> right. And um, I remember that when we went into our OB-GYN rotation, the first thing that they told us is if a woman has these symptoms and it was hot flashes, um, she's, you know, complaining that, I mean, there was like four or five symptoms. Your first thing, if you saw a woman who was 40 with these symptoms, you you wrote the script for here's your hormone replacement therapy for estrogen and you walked out the door. Okay, it was it was it was a knee jerk. It was kind of yeah, like yeah. to put it. It was kind of like the kid with sore throat. You would write for the amoxicillin, right, right. throw it out, chow chow, right. right? And then a few years later, yeah. then yeah. it was like, oh no no no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you could take the women's side of things, mm-hmm. okay, and I wrote, and you also made a point of cortisol, and you said sex hormones. So, kind of put this in a picture. So you okay. said you have. This perimenopausal patient, you have a menopausal patient, what are the various hormones involved, what happens, and what do you do? Okay. And what did they come to see you for? Yeah, so that whole writing hormones prescription, I hope, is kind of come in full circle because more and more recommendations, even in the primary care journals, for symptomatic menopause, hormones should be your first-line therapy. Even some small studies on osteoporosis or osteoporosis prevention, hormones should be your first-line therapy. Um, so anyway, that's I'm hoping that just normal doctors, not normal doctors, but primary care doctors will become comfortable in giving that. Well, I think what you're really doing at this point right now yeah. is you're telling the world right now They're that safe. not only are they safe, but if you've got questions, mm-hmm. at least have the, the, the cojones to ask your doctor, hey, listen, is this valid for me? Right, right. I will tell you that I, I have many patients that had previous gynecologists and they get prescribed low-dose birth control pills, which are synthetic, and they're actually relatively high dose compared to like a hormone replacement pill um, or antidepressants. Oh, you're having this, you're, your moods are changing, you're not sleeping, you're crying, you're getting, here's some Lexapro all the time. And that's what's being taught in residencies at this point, or med school, or wherever you learn that stuff. So basically, there's a ton of hormones in our body, but we're going to focus on estrogen, estradiol, progesterone, and testosterone. Okay. So, because that is is the kind of foundation. Now, there's thyroid hormones. There's adrenal hormones. Right. That's. I mean, that's actually fairly easy to work with for most most men and women. But um, there's a 
when we go through this perimenopause, our, our, and, and these are ladies I'm talking about not on birth control. If you're on birth control, I get this all the time. Well, I'm having some night sweats. I'm not having periods. I'm, I think I'm in menopause. Well, you're on the birth control. We can't evaluate that. So these are women cycling regularly or not cycling regularly. They're just, they're not, they've had a vasectomy or um, tubal ligation or an IUD or something that's not interfering with their hormone production. Um, mood changes, decreased libido, weight gain, even though you don't change anything, um, brain fog, those things start energy levels, just ability to function on your normal, you know, nor your normal level can start in your mid thirties, even though you may not go through menopause until 50. So that's kind of when they, they come in in those years, you know, I just, I've gained 10 pounds, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, um, I'm depressed, I don't sleep, I don't want to have sex with my husband, even though I love him, I don't want to have sex with Brad Pitt if he walked in the door, you know, it's just that is not on their radar, and although we're, I think of hormones as this anti-aging thing, but your quality of life is extremely important, and interestingly, when you look at a lab report on a woman and they we do their testosterone and their estradiol and their progesterone the testosterone and the estradiol are resulted in different units so if you convert those units to the same peak, nanograms per deciliter is testosterone picomoles per milliliter is the estradiol if you convert those women have significantly higher testosterone levels than we do estrogen. The curve is literally like throughout our life. It goes up and then it starts to go down, but the estradiol is on the low end and the testosterone is on the high end. Um, and what, what is, it's, there's receptors in every tissue. It's not just about libido or your muscle mass. Um, every tissue in our body just about has testosterone receptors. And when we do a testosterone uh, lab on a woman they give a reference range which is you know a collection of masses of women in your at your age and they this is what normal is so those those numbers don't mean anything to me unless it's your natural production is super high then that's a whole nother story so a lady can come in with a testosterone of 40 and have the same symptoms as a lady with basically zero testosterone it's all relative in in your receptors and how they're handling that so it's, you're not working off just the number. It's the you're, symptoms. The symptoms. Correct. Now, is that just for women or is that for men as well? Men. Okay, also, got it. Because we'll talk about the studies on levels in, in a minute, but um, it's very irritating as a woman who has, who has gone through all this, you know, birth control pills, stopping that, perimenopause for way too long, and then menopause, all of that, is that nobody cares about testosterone in women in mainstream medicine well i think in general like if you say the word testosterone we think dude i mean that's just right. brain it's just true. it's where we go right. so like for example when you tell me right now if you translate the units mm -hmm. The over a lifespan, the testosterone level is higher than the estrogen. I mean, I just learned something very yeah, new because I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't I have, have a graph, and I totally went off and forgot it. But well, it, we'll try and get the graph from you, and then okay, we'll try and sure. put it up on the Perfect. the thing. But um, that's kind of interesting because crazy. you would never think that it is more biologically active in our bodies than estrogen. Okay, the estrogen and progesterone are um, 
very pivotal in ovulatory function and, and you know conception and that sort of thing. However, we still need to replace those when they go low. Typically in a perimenopausal lady, those estrogen levels can be super high and then they stop ovulating so they don't have a balance between the estrogen and the progesterone. So I'm going to get, let me recap what you're saying. Okay. So in a perimenopausal person, mm -hmm. perimenopausal woman, sorry, in a perimenopausal woman, you're going to have lower testosterone, mm -hmm. okay, estrogen that is high. It fluctuates, but fluctuates. can be very high at okay. times. Yes. And what happens with progesterone? If a woman stops ovulating, because I'll have ladies that come in and, oh, I haven't had a period in, two, in a year, and they're having symptoms of hot flashes and night sweats. I can do their lab profile, and their estradiol is high, and they have zero progesterone because their ovaries okay. aren't functionally ovulating. Not like it's done, you're over, you're not able to reproduce, because that's what menopause is. When your ovaries have nothing left to give, they stop working because evolutionarily our bodies are designed to reproduce. Um, so... With the progesterone, you get this imbalance. Like you might, you may ovulate every once in a while, but you don't have enough to oppose the estrogen to cause that withdrawal period. So that's a, it's a pretty common situation in, in ladies that um, are going through perimenopause. They still can get that breast tenderness, but they don't bleed. Um, the PMS symptoms also. Um, and God, I'm so glad I'm a guy. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, the first step in something like that, and this is testosterone aside, is to augment that progesterone to get a better balance. You still may not have periods, and, you know, we don't, I don't worry about that because it's not necessary if you're not trying to have a baby. So testosterone being low also can, cre can am amplify those PMS-type symptoms. So in a lady that still has plenty of circulating estrogen, we augment with testosterone then and progesterone then that tends to work really well until it stops working and then we have to add the estrogen in got it that and makes sense interestingly i have a lot of ladies that are have been on pellets say for years and they're on their testosterone their progesterone and and then since i follow i continuously monitor my patients every time they get a pellet i can kind of see when that menopause happens because they don't often complain of those hot flashes and night sweats and, and things like that because the current hormone replacement that they are on is mitigating those symptoms. I add it back in for health reasons, not because they're symptomatic, for bone protection, although testosterone is a significant additive to bone protection. Uh, Brain protection, estradiol has been shown to reduce colon, colon cancer risk. Um, estradiol is like amazing, <laughs> but too much is not good either. So I will add that in, or even if they're not symptomatic, because we want to give you replacement. We don't want to just replace one thing. So I want to add something to the viewer public just so that we can put all this together. Sure. So sex hormones when we're talking estrogen and testosterone so i'm just going to kind of make you think of something else sure. so all of you guys out there have probably thought of, or heard of these bodybuilders on oh. anabolic steroids okay and it's pretty it's very similar okay i'm not saying it's the same thing but that think about this so when you overdose on anabolic steroids you're getting more muscle mass 
less body fat. This is kind of the extreme end Correct. of the thing. Correct. So these hormones are very important for us to maintain muscle mass, maintain bone volume, because if we look at ourselves as we age over time, like I deal with faces, but even on, on faces, um, if I could get a CT scan of somebody in their 20 and then a CT scan of somebody in their 40, there's a significant amount of bone volume loss. And that's not just happening in the skull. It's also happening in long bones and all these things. And this is why you hear when someone is super old, they, oh, they fell down and they cracked their femur, they cracked their hip and all these types of various things is because that bone density has gone down. So these hormones are very important to combat that degradation of Absolutely. those um, connective tissues and bones. So she was right. talking about that. I just want to put the link Correct. in there. And another thing with regarding osteoporosis is if you are an elderly lady and an elderly define that, <laughs> 60, I'm, I'm going to be there soon enough. So no, if you're, if you have osteoporosis and, and you fall and break your hip, a significant number of those people will die within the first year. Absolutely. Because when you stop moving, it's, it's a living. chain reaction. Yes, it's yes. a chain reaction. Correct. You've you've become osteoporotic. Your bones are weak. So then you fall, you break your hip, and then in the recovery bed. of the hip, you can't move, which makes you lose more, more bone muscle. volume. Correct. And now it, it's kind of like it's and now yeah. yeah, and it's just this chain reaction until you're kind of an invalid. Absolutely. So. Um, we talked a little bit about estrogen. Um, so group one, perimenopausal women, oh, yes. testosterone low, estrogen high, mm -hmm. and progesterone low. So you're going to be replenishing testosterone and progesterone Correct. until they go into menopause, menopause, and then you're going to add a little estrogen. Correct. Yep. Just And then... And, and honestly, don't try this at home, guys. Okay, I'm just letting you know. She's honest, an expert. Okay. Honestly, when you go through menopause, it's so much easier to manage. It is, it's like night and day easy. Things just kind of get in a groove, and you replace, and you replace, and you know, you replace, and then it's easy. Um, so yeah, that's. So let's flip gears, mm -hmm. and let's talk guys. Okay. What did they come in? telling you about what are their main symptoms what are the top three things that you probably hear okay. and what are your thoughts your philosophies and how do you deal with okay. it and after we talk about men I also want to talk a little bit about um, dosing and safety of testosterone all that oh all we're that going stuff. there because because yes. <laughs> one of the things I want to say this and we're going to say this 20 times through the process of this okay I'm a newbie at this I was lucky enough that I know Dr. Blackwell, I know her reputation, and I managed to stay clear of all these, what I call the snake oil clinics. Yes. And we're going to make a point we about this. About we're going to really, we've ma we make this point on other talks as well, mm -hmm. but this is really important because I asked her when I told her that she's going to be on the show, I really want her to get into the, what do the snake oil clinics do? Mm -hmm. Why do I need to go see her? Okay, I mean, not just, I mean, you guys, wherever you are, should really just come and see her and save yourself a lot of time and energy. But yeah. why is it necessary? And I really, I think the safety portion of this is very important. Absolutely. And this is not something that I think you can just, because even in my field, mm -hmm. I mean, I've got freaking pediatricians that want to do what I do 
Why is it that you need to come see me to do this? Yeah. So we'll get there. Gotcha. But gotcha. So let's talk about men and my evolution into treating men because I'm an OB-GYN and I haven't had a male patient since I finished medical school in 1994 and probably even before that. So um, I was treating my ladies and this I think I started doing, and like I said, mostly focus on pellet therapy um, in, in my my hormone clinic. And so I was treating these ladies that had previously been on their creams or their patches or whatever, and they, you know, they didn't have their hot flashes and my sweats, but they just, I'm like, how do you feel? I want to hear great. I don't want to hear, oh, okay. I, right. I hate that. I hate yeah, that. It, it, I want to make you feel great. Superlative. Right. And so transitioning some of these women and then new women, and they're like, well, Todd, can you help my husband? And I'm like, no, That's, he's a man. <laughs> and then, so, I mean, after getting asked that multiple times, I'm like, why not? Men are actually very easy to replace hormones. They have a, a couple of their nuances, but in basically it's, it's fairly easy for men. Um, so that's kind of my end to treating men. I have a lot of couples that come here and come to me and um, friends of friends and couple friends and um, Anyway, that's kind of how I got into treating men. One of the most common things with men is fatigue. Fatigue, joint pain, belly fat. Okay. Yeah, weight fatigue. gain, belly fat. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, and maybe they're not quite as honest with me about the bedroom stuff, but most of them are. You know, they won't complain of necessarily a de decreased libido, but some erectile dysfunction, um, lack of morning erections, which doesn't and bother men, but that's an indication of, of low um, testosterone. Um, just ability to maintain erections also is another complaint, but fatigue is a huge complaint for men. They'll go to work all day, they'll come home and sit on the couch, and that's all they do. And these are previously very active men who would go to the gym every day. They just, they don't. And then I've got some athletic type men that working out is their thing and they don't gain strength. They, they still get that belly fat. And, and that's why they seek help. And partly because their wives want them to get on it. So, yeah. So, I'm going to give the viewers, I, I don't mind sharing my medical history. Um, so, I'll tell you what I've noticed. Um, so, and, I, I, and this reminds me, I have a question to ask you as well. So, I got referred to Dr. Blackwell again for testosterone therapy because of my back pain. And I really hadn't had any other symptoms. I had nothing, yeah, right. okay? But in hindsight, what I will tell you is I didn't know that I didn't have any Correct, symptoms. Correct, because you've been living with them for a while. And, and right. they weren't severe. Correct. Yeah. So it's like I am a... So I've been playing competitive tennis for most of my life. I play basketball. I run. I go to the gym. I mean, I, I'll do anything. Sure. I used to be a boxer. Um <laughs> And so one of the things is, I think that, and I'm guessing, um, that a lot of men have the same thing where it's kind of mind over matter. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. when I used to get done with surgery, I would go home like, okay, got to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I don't care if I'm tired. I, I got to go. go. Just go, yep. beat it out, yep. come out, come home, and then eat dinner, and then go to bed and do the same thing over again yep. next day. Right. Now, um... One of the things that I've noticed 
first of all, is that my back pain is definitely better. That's okay. one thing that I've noticed. The second thing that I have noticed is the recovery mm -hmm. is quicker. So when I go to the gym mm -hmm. and then where I would be sore and stuff and maybe say, okay, the next day I'm kind of going to do cardio, I'm ready to do it over. I mean, I'm, it's, yeah, right. you know, um, and number three, I sleep like a baby. Yes. Sleep. I mean, when sleep. I'm out, right. it's yeah. done. Lights mm -hmm. out. Um, those are the things that I think I've really noticed mm -hmm. the delta the, yeah. um, between before and now. Mm -hmm. um, so I have questions for you because I asked all my guy friends. Mm -hmm. Okay, I told them that you're coming on the show. Mm -hmm. And so we have a list of questions because sure. I've told them to come see you. Mm -hmm. There's still some resistance. Nervous, yeah. Okay, they're nervous. Yeah. Okay. So number one. Um, so, no, will testosterone therapy make me lose my hair? It should not. Okay. Uh, it's the dihydrotestosterone, which is a stronger version of testosterone that is, we, even women have enzyme activity. It's the DHT or dihydrotestosterone, which affects the hair follicles. Um, and that's usually what's responsible for male pattern baldness. Um, there are small studies in women, I know we're talking about men, but because I do have women complaining of hair loss when they, not when they start pills, but you know, just in general, that um, testosterone helps scalp hair grow. I can, I can, I can men, vouch yeah, for that. Right. Yeah. So what happens is these men that go to these places that they just go get their shots or they go get pellets and they don't get monitored, their levels can get really, really high then you're going to start converting it, and then you're going to lose hair. So that's where continuous monitoring, in my experience, helps a lot. Um, so no, it should not make you lose hair. Okay. Yep. So another segue. So you said something, let's go directly, and you, you brought it up. Why should I come see you? Okay. <sighs> okay. There are, I mean, if I turn on 97.5 Sports sure. Radio, which is my radio station of choice while driving mm -hmm. home, um, there are four, I'm not naming clinics, yeah, right. we're not going down that road. Right. There are four or five clinics that come up, hey, do you experience lower uh, yeah. libido, blah, 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 come on in, we got yep. you, okay? Right. So, and even if you drive around Houston, I'm sure, or any major city, there, there's they're one on every, they're yeah, all over the place. billboards and everything. Right. Yes. Um, I know several nurse practitioners that have opened their own. Mm -hmm. Why should Why? I come see you? And when I say you, the colloquial, okay, you, you right. introduced yourself, right. you're board certified, yes, I got the right. memo, but right. what is Why? the delta? So there's a couple of things in these, um, and here I'm talking about pellets. I know men, and there's a couple of clinics in the area that do shots for women, but they're not, I don't, I don't think shots are all that great for men. There are some that men do, do great on their shots. But, um, so these pellet clinics, um, the providers who might be a nurse injector that does Botox or an anesthesiologist that's a medical director of a, a, a med spa, they go to a weekend course and then they're hormone experts. And <laughs> I'll tell you before, I mean, there are many OB-GYNs who are not hormone experts because you don't learn about it. It took me three years to complete all of my training to get my, my board certification. But then that's it's just, almost like another residency. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not clinical, right? It's, I hear you. It's lots and lots yeah. of meetings and virtual lectures and stuff like that. But, um, 
these places, like we talked earlier, it's not just about the number. It's about talking to you, what your concerns are, how you're feeling, what your side effects are, what your benefits are. So they have computer algorithms that they plug your body weight in, your testosterone levels in. I don't know, there may be a couple other things. And here's your dose. Doesn't matter what you're complaining of, here's your dose. And the other thing that many of those places do, because um, I have, I mean, I've, I know because I've had patients, a lot of patients come to me, um, is that they don't monitor you. You get your first pellet, you get your first set of labs. If it, they're kind of low, they, they add you extra in, and then that's your dose from there on out. If you have a complaint that your hair's, facial hair is too much or you're, you feel like you need more because of one reason, they, it's like, nope, this is your dose. And, I mean, how is a computer? Hormones are complicated. And so before I, anyway, before I got into this pellet stuff, as a gynecologist, there were maybe only one or two places that did pellets back in the day in, in the Clear Lake area, which is where I practice. And I would see all the horrible things about pellets. I'm like, why would anybody put these in their body? Because these, these places don't know how to interpret labs. They'll, they'll have a lady come in and they're on birth control. And when you do hormone testing on birth control, everything is low. That's why it works. Your estradiol, your progesterone, your testosterone are all low. That's what it's supposed to do. Right. That's how you don't <laughs> get pregnant. <laughs> but then they will give them estrogen and they're on birth control pills. I'm like, Ugh. or you'll have a perimenopausal woman that is one day into her period and her estradiol is low and they'll give this lady estrogen because she's having hot flashes or because her estrogen is low and then they come in bleeding for a month straight or having periods every two weeks because you have to, in a cycling woman, you have to interpret labs based on when your period is. And, you know, there's ladies with hysterectomies and ablations where we don't, aren't able to do that. But you still, if you know enough about it, you know how to correlate symptoms. But it's talking to the patient, talking to what your concerns are. And... That's one of the reasons I, I believe that, um, you know, I'm not going to say I'm better, but that you should. No, come you, to you me. should say you're better. You I mean, me. exactly. Right. Um, I think this is a recurring theme mm -hmm. in almost every podcast that we've had. Okay. Because yeah. every single podcast, I don't care who's been on it, this is a recurring mm -hmm. theme. And I, today, mm -hmm. just absolutely today, I was talking to Barbara in my office about mm -hmm. the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. I saw a commercial yesterday, okay? And this is for a commercial for a medication for COVID, okay? Yeah. So if you test positive for COVID and you are a high-risk patient, right. it is an antiviral medication that you start, right. okay? On the commercial, okay, you have a person that looks like they're interpreting their test, okay? Mm -hmm. And then the next scene on the, on the commercial is a doctor on a computer screen and the person is holding the test up to the computer screen mm -hmm. and the doctor's like trying to explain the, the medication. Mm -hmm. And I think this is exactly what's wrong with medicine in general. Absolutely, okay, yeah. I mean, imagine prescribing something, you've never met the person, mm -hmm. you haven't listened to their lungs, you have no idea if there's a pneumonia going on. Zipkits, yep. bub, right. nada, yep. and you're cool with just, hey, here's your prescriptions mm -hmm. to your pharmacy 
And this is and this is the same thing. You're, mm-hmm. Long story short, mm-hmm. what you're telling us is it is not as simple as just your height, your weight. This is your dose. Right. And in a woman, even more complicated, right. based on symptom complex, mm-hmm. based on where she is in her cycle, all these right. types of various and balancing things. Side effects too. So. Yeah. So it, it requires not just looking at a lab test. Okay. It It's putting and comprehending this information together mm-hmm. to find an appropriate care plan for that patient. Right. I do have women that come to me on hormone creams for, from various other places, and I've had a few lately that are getting their hormones from one of those Internet websites. You know, they make them test, but they send them. I mean, it's just it's just bizarre to me that, and, and I, I see medicine going that way, which and it's is sad. very sad. It's very sad. Um, so, yeah. Please go see your doctor. See like doctor. real doctors, like actually this is two doctors talking to you. Mm-hmm. Real doctors actually want to see you. Absolutely. Okay? Like yeah. I want to see my patients. I, sure. I enjoy them. Right, right, right. Okay? I mean, I enjoy figuring out what is different. What do I need to do different? It is, it's part of that process, and I think it's, it is why we do what we do. Absolutely. It should be why we're doing what we're doing. <laughs> Absolutely. So now, before we go, before we seg to the next thing, what are the side effects? Like when, like let's say I've listened to you. Okay. I'm someone out there. I'm Jane Doe. Listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm gonna go find myself. So first of all, I want you to hit two two things for me. Okay. One, I'm Jane Doe living in Greenville, North Carolina. Right. Okay. Right. I listen to the podcast and I go. Okay, mm-hmm. I think this is for me. A, how do I go about finding appropriate providers? Is there, for example, you talked about your board certification. Mm-hmm. Is there a website for board certified providers that they could go to to potentially see other providers that are have the same level of education? I did not come with armed with all that information. But um, if you, um, A4M, so the American Academy of... Um, anti-aging and regenerative medicine. So there's four A's in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, they should have a list of providers. Got now, it. Not all of them do the same thing I do. There's all kinds of different things you can do. So what questions should they ask? Like they go here, they find a provider. What What are the good questions they should ask and say, hey, is this the right person for right. me? Right. Um, hmm. Well, the thing about that, and again, I don't want to use franchise brand names, is you got to make sure that it's not a franchise brand name. People always ask me, well, what's the difference between you and this? this yeah, thing? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I say, well. We don't want to get sued, so no, we're not no. using franchise names. No, and there's <laughs> I'm just teasing. There's multiple yeah. franchise names. Right. And, um, but they're following their protocols, and that's what they do. It's significantly cheaper, and if cost is an issue and you're really desperate, you know, some, some of my patients do well with, with that, but some of them don't. So um, make sure it's not that. Um, I guess the, uh, you made a good point. So, like, is there a protocol or right. are you guys actually monitoring me? That would be right. a good. So back, I mean, I lost my train of thought there, but um, when people ask me what's the difference between me and so-and-so, I use my brain. I listen to you. I, I, I don't, I don't. Yes, I use weight and, and activity levels and things like that, but, you know, especially for a first-time person who gets pellets, some people are very nervous because once it goes in, it does not come out. It's, it, it will go away, but you're stuck with it. 
So if you dose somebody on the hefty side and they're nervous, they're going to hate you because <laughs> it's going to go up really fast. You have to get your body used to acclimatize to this new new environments yeah. yeah and um you know you can get you can have water retention and and quick mood changes things like that i've got some patients that says throw me off the deep end i'm ready so those other places don't deal take with all that those into account and in fact um i had a lady interview for a medical assistant position some years ago who worked at a clinic that did that and she goes yeah i went and got the dose and pulled the doses out. So the nurse practitioner, or whoever was there doing the procedures, would insert it. It's interesting, huh? No, oh, I, yeah. I, I believe you 100%. I've seen worse. Yeah. I've seen yeah. way worse. So, I mean, okay. So now, so you mentioned, now that was the next thing I was going to ask you, some of the side effects. Yeah. So water retention, uh, mood changes. Okay. Go for it. Okay, so... I'm going to talk women first. Number one cool. side effect of testosterone therapy is facial hair. 80% of women will experience some, some increase in facial hair. Um, it's a trade-off, you know, in how you feel in dealing with something like that that's annoying, but shave it off, dermaplane it, wax it, whatever you want to do, laser hair removal, which... If you, if you continually stay on testosterone, you have to continue to do it. It's not like do your six sessions and it's gone. So facial hair, number one um, side effect. Acne, occasionally. Um, there are some great topicals. Um, often use a medication called spironolactone, which dermatologists use off-label for acne. Um, and after we talk about side effects, I want to talk about some of the myths of testosterone in women, too. Um, mood changes tend to be better. It, okay. is, it is a myth that testosterone makes you aggressive. I have ladies that like their testosterone in the 400s, and they're happy as they can be because testosterone is an amazing treatment for anxiety. It just, it just calms those brain waves down. So, um, so acne, facial hair, water retention, mainly in my younger people that are still cycling because they can convert to estrogen. Um, those are the main things as far as side effects. Um, a myth of testosterone therapy is it makes your hair fall out in women because there are studies that, that state otherwise. Now, everybody's body's different. The number one reason for hair loss, age and genetics. Num number two. So I have ladies that it's a significant problem. And also in the last few years, COVID can trigger a lot of hair loss that complain about it and they're convinced it's their hormones. Um, you have to have plenty of estrogen to help your scalp hair grow and not run ladies on the higher side because that's where I see it happen more than usual. So the higher you like to run as far as I want to say like to run is that I have kind of a cutoff where I don't let people run over long times because... It's just not, there's no reason for it. Right. And you end up, the higher you are, the more side effects you, you get. So we kind of have to balance, you know, where a woman's sweet spot is into potential side effects. So when you hit that, I'm going to hit the other myth. What about men and testosterone therapy and prostate cancer? Uh, just like estrogen and breast cancer. It's, it does not cause 
prostate cancer. Did you guys hear that, please? It Can you say that one more? It does not cause prostate cancer. Thank you. So the interesting thing about prostate cancer is that, you know, when a, when a man gets prostate cancer and they put them on the hormone gonadotropin blocker that basically drives a man's testosterone to zero. It doesn't matter if your testosterone's 200 or 300 or 800, it's going to stimulate the prostate in the same way. So I actually have a gentleman who, and my colleague has a couple patients like this too, of course with the approval of the radiologist who is on testosterone therapy six years after his treatment because he was miserable. And, you know, so it does not cause prostate cancer. Cool. Yep. I do monitor PSAs, absolutely. Um, I usually, I know once a year is probably adequate, but I'm a little more conservative, so I'll just do it a couple times a year just to make sure that things aren't creeping up. All right. Um, so we're hitting close to about an hour. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do a couple of recaps. Okay. And then I'm going to let you say a few words. Okay. And then I'm going to go ahead and finish up here. So recaps that, and correct me if I'm wrong, okay? okay. So the, first of all, I think that what I learned from you today is that there is, when we talk about rejuvenation, okay, mm -hmm. or renewal, or all these, we can put all these different acronyms and right. words and all this right, kind right, of right. stuff. There's a big push to be healthy, yes. feel good, maintain our bodies to the maximum that we can. Mm -hmm. yes. And part of that is maintaining the hormonal milieu to make sure that that happens. Correct. Um, and in order to do so, the main three hormones that we're looking at are testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone. Right. Um, and the reasons, um, it, and it, this is not something that's just a if-then statement where someone does this, let's go put them up with three pellets. And yeah. So there's a lot more to this. I mean, we've kind of described some of these things here, mm -hmm. but the end-all game thing is that got to see someone who is knowledgeable, knowledgeable experienced, mm -hmm. knows what to do, and is truly interested in this, that wants to <laughs> yes, yes. do something about this. Yes, I agree. So back to my introductory comments about fulfillment in my professional life, this part of my practice... Look at that is, smile when she's talking about fulfillment. I mean, sometimes Please, I, everybody I get, look at that smile. I just, you know, to impact people's lives as much as this does, and listening to my patients, I can't count the number of times where, you know, you're the first person that's ever listened to my, what's going on with me. Uh, marriage, saving marriages, honestly. Um, husbands that come in with tears in their eyes, thank you for giving me my wife back, not just about the sex part, but about their, their whole self. I mean, it's just, like, I just get chills sometimes when people say stuff and, and thank me for improving their life and and this is quality of life you know they don't often think about the health benefits because they're in the here and now and they want to feel good they're tired of being a shell of them, themselves and like I said also is that um, um, doctors throw antidepressants out at women and that's the number one reason so many middle-aged middle women are on antidepressants is hormone changes 
So, um, and because our hormones and our neurotransmitters are all very intimately connected. We didn't really talk a lot about the data on safety, and that's probably a whole nother hour, <laughs> but um, testosterone in women has been demonstrated to be safe um, as well as effective. Um, and they've got lots of studies on, on trans males who run their testosterones at significantly high levels that there's no increase in cardiac disease, there's no increases in cancers, there's no increases in blood clots. And that's another thing that, you know, blood clots and heart disease, people are like, oh, you can't take that. It, if, you're, if it's done correctly and in the right modality, none of, that stuff improves. And so um, breast cancer and hormones, Hormones, that's the number one reason women are afraid to take hormones. Oh, no, 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 my, my aunt had breast cancer. No, or I, no, 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 I don't want to get cancer. Estrogen and progesterone, and I'm talking about the, the not the synthetic stuff, the bioidentical, and which you can get by a regular prescription, has been shown not to increase a woman's risk for breast cancer. Testosterone pellet therapy is very well studied in actual breast tissue that it is what we call anti-proliferative, meaning it, your, your tissue doesn't proliferate at abnormal rates um, and actually can reduce a woman's risk of breast cancer. Interesting. Yeah. And I do have several breast cancer patients that I have on testosterone, not estrogen, um, and an estrogen blocker, and it really helps get their lives back. And, and That's so, awesome. Yeah. I think you had mentioned a question about somebody who cannot, who is, who cannot be on hormones or who, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. If you're not done having kids, mm -mm. now with a man, we can treat temp temporarily with um, a different medication to stimulate the testes from atrophying. And then they stop it. They can have their kid. I've got a couple men that have done that. But women need to be done with childbearing um, and be on some form of contraception, although I don't let my patients take birth control pills because that mitigates what we're giving people. Those, those places that we talked about, they put them on birth control pills, which, you know, that's just, it's, it's kind of like it's their, you know, easy solution. Yeah. Easy button. Yeah. So we have alternatives for that. So safe, highly effective, um, not covered by insurance, which is another, you know, whole nother thing, but um, and life-changing, life-changing. So thank you so much for joining yeah. us today. This was awesome. I mean, I learned a, a bunch today. Mm -hmm. So anybody who wants to get in touch with Dr. Blackwell, <clears throat> um, her website is www.michelle.md.com. I will put her website as well as all of her office information in the description to the podcast at the bottom. And uh, what is your phone number for your office? 832-932-5138. So anybody have any questions, please reach out to her. Um, if you don't remember how to reach out to her, please give our office a call and we will forward the information to her. I appreciate all of you guys listening to us and joining us on the podcast today. So again, this is Plastic Surgery Unplugged. Um, please make sure you hit the subscribe button and uh, stay tuned for future episodes. Uh, this is Dr. Raghu Athre saying thank you for joining us. Ciao.